Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Security Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seaf and every week I'm joined by one very special guest who's here to educate you into something that you might not know about. I'm delighted to say that Rachel Evans is joining me. Now, you might not know the name Rachel Evans, but you will know her from being all over the press as the human Barbie doll. Aged 49, she spent £35,000 on becoming a living Barbie doll and says it's fantastic being plastic. But I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in why she wants to be like Barbie. What I'm interested in is who is behind that? Who is the real Rachel Evans? And how did she end up spending so much money on the way she looks? Why was she so insecure in the way she was born and not loving herself for who she is? I'm delighted to say that Rachel joins me now. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Johnny. So I want to know about you, but I don't care about the human Barbie. I want to know about the real you. So take me back to your childhood and what happened there. First thing I'd like to say is um, I don't have any memory before the age of seven. So I can't really talk about that period. Why did you block off that? I have no idea. Uh, I think I'm aware that events that happened can make a child kind of erase memory. But as an adult, I've only learnt that with hindsight looking back. All I'm aware of is that my parents had a very bad divorce and I was about seven. But my family were eight children parents divorced when I was seven and there was just fighting it it was a very sad childhood I'm aware of that but I'm numb to the emotion attached to the memory so I like to block memories and I know that as a child you know it's probably weird when people say I remember when I was like toddler crawling around my twin sister passed away a couple of years ago unexpectedly in her sleep and before she passed away we had a conversation about childhood and I said look yeah I can't remember anything you know before I was seven in primary she said oh my god don't you remember when and I said how old were we then she said oh we were about three or four I was blown away rest in peace my twin Becky died we had little conversations but it was weird and that was the only time a couple of years ago before she passed that I was aware of okay there might be a bigger reason why I don't remember before the age of seven, any childhood memory, whereas she did. 
in adulthood, I like to look at the positive and see the light in the darkness. So I like to sort of put a positive spin on it and say, you know, I'm very artistic. Maybe I just live in my little fantasy world because I was just sad about my parents getting divorced. But I, I was aware that every child memory that I have was sad. Does that make you jealous of your sister when she was alive, that she could remember and you couldn't? No, I'd never uh, have jealousy as an emotion. I don't even have envy. And there's a, I was looking at her with admiration because she could remember it. I'm like, wow. I'm quite light and fluffy as a person, so I try not to look too deeply into anything. Your identity is very important to you. Like I said, you spent £35,000 on looking a certain way. Yeah. When was that first time you looked in the mirror and went, I'm not happy with this, there's something not what I expected? Yeah, I remember the moment. I looked in the mirror at the age of 30. I'd just given birth to a stillborn baby twin. I looked... I'm blocking it, it's fine. I looked in the mirror. I was then dressing like a goth with jet black hair, pasty white skin. And celebrating the birth of my son and at the same time burying his twin, stillborn baby, in a, a shoebox coffin size, messed with my head. And I'm aware of that because I went through therapy in my 30s. So I looked in the mirror that day and I said, I'm going to kill you off. You are depressed. I don't want to look at you anymore. And I just had what I call a download from the universe. And without sounding too airy-fairy, I had a vision of what my journey would pan out to be at that moment and that night it's very blurry so within a few days that night I did something I, I got bleach and I remember bleaching my hair it fell out into my hands so my long jet black hair had to be cut off short like a boy dyed brown after turning orange massive hair disaster but it was the first step of failure that I had to take to be a success and that moment I killed off that goth I rebirthed into, like, first of all, it was blonde Marilyn Monroe because the brown short hair had to gradually turn blonde. It was an absolute disaster. So I didn't take pictures for, like, a good few years of my early 30s whilst my hair was growing and I was borderline anorexic. So that moment of changing the goth, killing it off, I literally did rebirth. And it was at 35 I started all the cosmetic surgery to change the shape of my face, to improve my appearance, and then as the hair grew blonder and longer, I transformed into Barbie. Between the age of 7 and 35, were you happy? Absolutely not. I was very sullen. I was very in turmoil about who I was, where my voice was. I knew I had a voice, but I couldn't find it. The awareness of not being happy came to me as I went into therapy in my early to mid-30s. And I would say the real defining self-awareness phase was in my early 30s when I, I had a bit more experience as an adult and I became a mother, that I realised what love was. Because as a mother, I'd look at my baby and I had buried my stillborn twin son. And I remember feeling that overpowering love for the first time that and I, I then looked at myself and I thought mm, this is this is a bit weird because I don't remember feeling that as a child so I think happiness and love are very closely related you know they're, they're not mutually exclusive if you don't know anything other than sadness or darkness around you how are you going to know what happiness is and then I became aware to question what that meant 
And what about your teen years? Was there no defining moments for you as a teenager that made you happy? Yes. So my mum suffered from depression when I was a child. I just remember her being asleep on the sofa. This is like the 70s and 80s when being a single parent was effectively a dirty word. She's divorced, she didn't really work and she was depressed. I think we were watched by the social services because we. I come from a very underprivileged childhood council estate, hardly any money, no father and I was bullied at school. So with that backdrop as a picture, being in primary school, I was bullied. Being in high school, I was bullied. So, you know, the happiness thing was only felt when I stood holding a trophy and the whole high school was applauding me because I was running for Great Britain as a teenage athlete, blah, blah, blah. I escaped the bullies and I escaped the home sadness through sport. I was bullied because in primary school, I think I was just very timid. I've suffered from crippling shyness as a child, um, as a teenager. I was bullied badly at primary school. Probably that's why, you know, it was sad. But in high school, I just remember holding the trophy, feeling a surge of happiness and wondering where my parents were to applaud. And Again, I'm numb to the emotion of sadness, but I'm aware of it because I've been in therapy for that. It's very interesting because the bullies are the ones who are being horrible to you but are actually jealous of you. And they want to be part of the celebrations of the fact that you're an athlete because they're holding you for your title, yeah. not for who you are. It's kind right. of what you are. So they don't care about the Rachel. They care, oh, we know an athlete. Yeah, you're, you're right. Because it's hard for me to look at myself and to see myself as others see me. But I think I was bullied primary school and high school because I was timid and one day I remember fighting back against the bullies in high school and my coach who was my PE teacher said Rachel Evans I'm so disappointed in you you know because I fought back and I hurt the girl and I remember feeling bad about that and then I had to justify that I was just defending myself but you know kids can be mean you know they can be mean nowadays you've got online bullying you've got trolls you know the keyboard warriors who pick on people if they've got a voice or if they've got something that people are jealous of um, but back in those days remember this is the 80s I'm going to sound like a complete dinosaur right now <laughs> but in the 80s you know the internet was 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 not even around um so you only had like your teachers or your parents to confide in I had no one to go home to I didn't know my father I didn't actually grow up with him. And I'd go home and mum was asleep on the sofa, so I'd just go to my room and cry and just block it. But again, that memory is a bit of a blur. So I only remember the happiness, the happy moments of holding the trophies, listening to the applause and remembering that's how I wanted to feel, you know, that applause. Which is a great defence mechanism that you can block out those memories and those bad moments so that you only remember the good times. Because yeah. it's very easy, if you have a bad moment, to keep going over in your head and it spirals and it gets deeper and deeper and it gets bigger and bigger in your head. Yeah. So the fact you can block it out is amazing and that I admire you for that. Mm. Um, I think the sport helped me because I literally all my high school years I would run like the wind away from the playground. So in sport I had the opportunity of being in a moment where my PE teacher said, hey, Rach, can you can you come to me for a minute? I think you've got the ability to run. And I'm like, well, you know, you're a kid, you don't know what they're talking about. She said, I'd like to train you because I think you're a runner. And um, so every lunch hour of my high school years, throughout my teenage years, I was running around the country farmer's field being timed by my sports coach. So I never really got badly exposed to the bullies, but wherever they had the opportunity to pick on me, um, they would so 
if they said to me, I'm going to get you outside school. I was like middle teens when I got my nose broken by the bullies. And they were a year younger, two girls on top of me kicking me. And I just remember that and I thought, okay, um, I've got to go home now, but I've got no one to tell and I better not tell anyone because there's nothing they can do. And I did think, you know, looking back at that, I probably did block it because I had no one to talk to. That's the worst thing and the biggest thing now, and especially you as a mother now, know that right. just speaking to one person, Absolutely. you need to share what goes on because yeah. that burden that you're going to carry. Yeah. Um, have you seen those bullies since? And if not, no. what would you say to them now if you could? I'd say I forgive you, give me a hug, and thank you for helping make me who I am today. Because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. As Lady Gaga said what you said, that one person, you do need that one person at any age in your life, you know. I think that I've been fortunate to have the one person thing happen later in life. So I look at the failures as stepping stones to success. I wouldn't change one second of anything that I've had to face. I like to call them challenges rather than problems. Well, that's true. And those challenges you've almost gone through as well through your identity and that fact that you've changed your identity so many times so right bringing it back to your mid-30s you go right i want to be different i've changed my hair already what is the next thing that you do and why so the next challenge you went through was with your body weight and you became anorexic again another hard thing for you to go through bullying is yeah. one thing but anorexia the fact that you're doing it to yourself and punishing yourself after other people have punished you mm. why did you go that far honestly i have no I, I have no way to answer that question other than to say with hindsight in the moment now looking back I, I'm aware, I'm self-aware as to, like, I was not able to eat because I had to bury a stillborn baby. I mean, you know, life happens and we all deal with things differently, but I just couldn't eat. I have no idea why that it, it came into the borderline anorexia, so I'm always one step away of being purely anorexic. It's, it's a very fine line between the anorexia that you get hospitalised for and then being borderline. But I was severely underweight and um, I was in therapy. I was, I was being watched and being treated. I, I feel like the stillborn twin pushed me over that edge. Um, and I really can't remember a lot of those moments other than some people say to me, you know, you're punishing yourself. I just said I wasn't hungry. And I never took photos for years. I couldn't leave the house. I've, I had OCD. I, I, I think... A lot of things manifested in different ways and one of them was just not eating. I, I can't really remember. It's a bit of a blur. Again, that's a coping mechanism that you've gone through because you've right. built so many barriers up around yourself to act a certain way to block out so many hurtful and hard things that you've had to go through. I didn't have any family to talk to. You know, I shut myself off from my family and I think they they didn't really necessarily at the time know how to talk to me about it because I'm a twin, so, you know... I was going to say, because even though you had eight siblings, yeah. not, there wasn't one person out of that eight that you could confide in. No, again, I shot... It was my, my, it was my fault if there's a guilt attached because I, I take responsibility for everything in my life now. I never used to, but, but I think they probably did not know what to say but I mean, it wasn't your fault you, sure. they should have been looking out for you mm. nothing was your fault you had eight siblings that should be there for you and should notice oh rachel's a bit different today they should be the ones who've got that unconditional yeah. love for you right johnny my siblings all of us be because of the divorce we all were very not close at all 
I've got five brothers and sisters I hardly know. So out of eight uh, children, I was close to my twin and then my younger sister, who I'm not really close to. I love all of them, but we just wouldn't, we were just you know, stoical, like do your own thing. And, you know, you get together for certain events, but very private people. And it's just that did used to get to me, to be honest. I think, why are my family just so detached from each other? And um, when you mentioned earlier in the interview about jealousy or I like to use the word envy, I used to look at families and look at how close they are and think, I feel like an alien. That, that's, that's weird. How can families be that close? And then people would say, this is normal. And then I thought, okay, well, obviously, you know, what is normal, first of all? I don't even believe there is such a thing. But at the time, during that, that early 30s, I would not see my family as able to help me anyway and I just shut them off so even if they wanted to reach out I'm just guessing here because I'll never know but they had their own things to do and I felt like I had my own challenges to deal with so we've all been super independent from a very young age you know but you've grown out of that and you've changed it because like we said you've changed your identity so take me through that identity so you've gone right I want to change my identity I'm going to spend as much money as needed onto it so we've spoken about the hair already mm. then what was the next stage for you then at 35 I started having Botox and then it, throughout the late 30s, early 40s it grew and grew so you, you have your creases ironed out like when you iron a shirt you see the wrinkles and then you see the beauty and oh gosh yeah I can iron these wrinkles out and the more you have the more you want that's me, my personal cosmetic surgery plastic surgery journey is I want to achieve perfection to look like Barbie so at 35 I had the short short blonde hair, I was working at the time as an actor and a model because I've got credentials as an actor but don't ever give me an acting job I can't act to save my life so I kind of failed as an actor didn't get much model work because they said to me you're very LA looking skinny blonde I was like okay mid-30s I became more Barbie-like as the hair grew blonder and longer and then at 38 after a few years of having cosmetic fillers and work done to my face I looked at my flat chest and said okay that's got to go so at 38, I had um, breast augmentation. And what, what's the process of that? Just just having implants put under the muscle right. to, to stop me looking like I've got little fried eggs on my chest. Um, but back then, because I, I was working as a model, um, not very successfully, again, because my look was the blonde, the skinny, pale blonde, you know, look, which at the time wasn't popular. Now, every you know, Barbie has every body shape, every skin tone, every culture, and I love it for that. When I was in my mid-30s, I remembered being in therapy, doing my acting training, get my equity cards. I did you know, music videos and stuff. So I was flat chest, skinny, short, short to mid-length blonde hair. And then I just decided, okay, more people are saying I look like a doll and the Barbie thing started to grow. So at round about 38, once I had the breasts done, I started to feel more Barbie. And I was called the China doll at school and I was bullied for it in high school. So I was always aware that people said, you look like a doll. I mean, I mean that's why the bullies in high school broke my nose because they said, we're going to break your face, you look like a doll. That was another reason. But in, in a way, I just think that the Barbie transition was, it was an alter ego that became my identity, my authentic self. Why was Barbie that one person that you looked up to? What was it about Barbie? Do you know what? The defining moment didn't just happen at one moment. It, it transitioned, it just blossomed. And I remember people would say, you look like Barbie, because the hair was longer. Because it used to be, you look like a doll. Then Barbie was a brand. Barbie by Mattel was growing more and more. And as my hair got longer, I, I modelled myself on that look. And being 
a failed actor being a failed model. I just thought, I'm going to go away and do my thing. So I ditched the acting, I ditched the modelling. I quietly went away in my late 30s, worked on myself and literally came out as Barbie. <laughs> and the weird thing is, I do remember in my late 30s, early 40s, when the media started taking an interest, I was like, why would anyone find me interesting? Because I felt I'd failed at so many things in my life. And it thanks, wasn't that you had failed, though. Yeah. You just, it just wasn't your time yet. You know, okay. acting is hard uh-huh. to get into, presenting is hard to get into, but sure. it just wasn't your time. Right, and I didn't have the voice. I wasn't authentic at all. Yes, you were. You just I, didn't have... It, it wasn't way. that right person you'd seen for that audition. Mm. That That isn't down okay. to you. That's down to the universe just wasn't ready for you yet. Everything happens for a reason. I believe so, that. I think the universe right, always so you should have carried you on the act. I want you to go back to acting. I want you, <laughs> after this, to go on the job pages <laughs> and go and get an acting job, because you'll get it now. It just wasn't your time at that moment. Johnny, I love you for that. Thank you. I I actually said joking, but I do mean it. I want a part in that Barbie movie next year. Even if it's a walk-on, I want to be on it. Well, you're going to get it. You will get it because, number one, you look like Barbie. (laughs) And, number two, you care enough about acting now. And you can be anything. As Barbie said, you can be anything. Exactly. Why do you think Barbie's gone for 60 years? Because Mm. so many girls have looked up to it. But Mm. also, if you think about where you were as an actress, when you were in the 30s, you've said it on this podcast yourself, you weren't in the right headspace. You'd gone through the anorexia. You'd gone through mm. your the birth of your son. <laughs> it wasn't the right time for you. How are you supposed to be happy and be Barbie-like then when you've got so much you're dealing with behind closed doors? Yes, I like that. You're I, happy I, now. I agree. You yeah. can do it now. Oh, God, happiness is... It used to be a dirty word, but happiness means something to me. I only knew happiness giving birth and having my son, but when you have to celebrate birth and then grieve with death and you're looking at the baby and and its identical twin and you think... I've just buried his identical twin. It messes with your head, but I'm aware that I went through that challenge, but I just fast-forward all the time to right now, my brain just goes blank, and I just fast-forward to literally my late 30s as I became Barbie because I really feel the download from the universe is like what you've just said is there's a time for everyone, and age is just a number. Age is just a number, but as well with your identity, when you look at yourself, do you see true happiness or do you see yourself hiding? Because... It doesn't matter that if you've spent £35,000 on these procedures, the mm. Botox, the over fillers. Over 15 years, I, I do say. To over the, 15 years. Yeah, it's a gradual thing. But still, you've yeah. paid that amount of money and you look different yeah. to the way you used to look. Right. Do you uh, feel yeah. happy or do you feel like you're wearing a mask, hiding all the unhappiness behind you in your skull almost? I feel, I feel authentic as the human Barbie. That's who I am. And I feel happiness because I really do believe I struggled with my identity and I was riddled with insecurities on many different levels because that wasn't me. And I I just really do believe that I'm meant to be sharing the Barbie message, which is you can be anything. And can you be anything? You can be anything. Are you going to go and be an actress? Okay, I will go and be an actress. Thank you, Johnny. I will follow what you've just said. No, No, but honestly, I do see myself acting, which, again, I've had like a download from the universe, which is think about acting if the opportunity came up and and the Barbie movie came out. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got my equity card. It's been made for you. It's been made for you. (laughs) But also, look, 60 years of Barbie, it's being made in 2020. Amazing. The time is right for you. There was no point making a Barbie movie 20 years ago because you wouldn't be in the right headspace. Sure. I like to share it as well. I think there's so many people out there who are Barbie-like male or female and i like barbie because she's gender inclusive so barbie message is genderless to me 
and I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon because I have my own gender identity crisis when I wore men's suits in my my early 20s and I know what what that feels like to to question your gender it's not sexuality it's gender and now I'm just like oh my god that all makes sense because again it's with hindsight which can be a bit tricky that people say oh it's with hindsight that you think this now but in therapy they taught me it's okay to have a bit of hindsight because you've got to look back but I always say this look in the rearview mirror but do not look do not turn back or you're going to crash so you keep moving forward but being self-aware means honouring your obstacles along your journey and that's all I'm doing. Well, that's that thing of forgive but never forget. Forgive Absolutely. it happens but don't forget about it, it because yes. Yes. all these bad, but also remember all these bad things you've gone through have shaped the reason why you are so amazing now. If you hadn't gone through certain aspects of your life i don't see that but thank you but you but look how happy you are you dress in pink you've got the pink lipstick the pink pink dress the pink handbag the barbie doll all these things has made have made you happy now yes you wouldn't have had that happiness prior to that and you've had to go through those bad things to get there so congratulations to you you. and believe your self-worth believe how far you've come in your life you see i I, thank you for the compliments and i i do believe i have self-belief but i like to stay humble um, and when I was in my late 30s and I gave up the modelling and acting, it was a, a hu- humble period for me because I turned away from searching for people to put me on TV or in the latest music video or get a modelling gig. I went away quietly, closed the door on, on the publicity, so to speak, you know, around that industry, the entertainment industry, turned my back on the entertainment industry. And then by finding my authentic self as Barbie, the whole entertainment industry, if you like, knocked on my door gradually and that was that was interesting because I was a different person when those knocks came on the door when people tapped me on the shoulder I was authentic and I thought well what I said to the producer who did a tv show a couple of years ago I said I was in my bedroom was in in bed and he said we're just going to film you um waking up in the morning before you do your makeup and I said Ben just between me and you I said why would anyone find me interesting he looked at me just said curiosity and that was it and That's then I wrong. never, ever thought of it again because I thought, what a brilliant answer. No, it's not a brilliant answer Ev- at all. Oh. It's not at all. Curiosity is a negative connotation. Oh, it I means it that people are looking at you <laughs> as a joke. But I don't want people to see you oh, as a joke. Cute. You're a real oh, person. You are Rachel Evans. I don't care about the human Barbie side. That's a media portrayal. Yes, that's going to help you get work. But that's not the real you. The real you is Rachel Evans. So being curious about someone is going... Well, they're almost like in the circus, in the freak show. But mm. you're not that. You're a real human being mm. and you've got a heart and you've got feelings. Mm. Barbie is very kind. She's authentic. She helps people. But you're and not I... Barbie. You're Rachel. Yeah. There's yeah. a differentiation between you as Rachel and you as Barbie. They're not the same thing. Right. Okay. I kind of go a bit blind when you when you say that. For me, they go together. But how can you live your life with them being as one thing? How do you go home at night and stay in Barbie character? You can't. You want to... Take off your makeup. You want to be in your dressing gown. You want to watch a bit of TV. Have a normal dinner. That's not Barbie-like. I see where you're going because Barbie's a plastic doll. But being the human Barbie, I've put a heartbeat to the plastic doll. But so. are you in the Malibu Playhouse? Are you in? Have you got the big pink car and the, the you know all the accessories that Barbie have in a human way? Um, I've got the pink flats. Everything's pink. I don't have a pink car because I just don't want to be that conspicuous. But I will one day. You know, my son's 19 and I also help him because he's studying for uni. So I I'm, I call myself a hostler in a positive way. 
Right, I, I work really hard. But Barbie's not. Barbie's a... independent and she's a career woman, had about 180 careers. So I think the links to the Barbie is not just looking plastic fantastic. It's about the personality, it's about the career choices, and it's about the journey that I'm on. Right, but Barbie wasn't a mum, you're a mum. So yeah. there has to be True. Rachel as a human being who's got a son, not Barbie. Absolutely, yeah. But can you see that difference between the two, that between Barbie and you? That you're still a normal human being and that you shouldn't be seen as a joke. You should be seen as someone that's taken seriously and you've got a career and you've got a family. You're mm. not just one-dimensional human Barbie. There's more to you than the way you look. I do listen and I hear what you say, but then I do go a bit blind because sometimes my brain can't see me the way people see me. So in a way that does help me because I just live in my little Barbie world and see, you don't I try appreciate, to see the positive in things. You don't appreciate your self-worth. Do you think? You don't, because you see yourself how, you want people to see you a certain way and you're not letting people in to love you for you, for who you are, not what you are. Well, I I would contest that with respect. So uh, to say, um, if I'm not allowing people to love me for being me, I love me for being me. And if people like it, that's a bonus. And I live my life by that. So I know it's hard for people to see that, but I really do believe self-love is the 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 main step to achieving an authentic identity so as long as i know i love myself which is different from being a narcissist it's different self-love is different it's a quiet confidence i have quiet confidence when i take my makeup off at night and i go to sleep that person to me is just a blank canvas upon which i build the real me you know i wake up and within five minutes i've got my makeup on i've had a shower i'm doing it for me and that's what i learned um when i ditched the modeling and acting in my late 30s is that i've got to do everything for me before i'm going to be happy and as i said earlier that when the entertainment industry or like the people wanted to work with me for tv or for photo shoots they knocked on the door so to speak because i was finally just doing it for me and everything else therefore was a bonus and and that's the voice that, that I know is authentic. So I think Rachel Evans and Barbie are the same person. Well, your stars are all aligning together. Mm-hmm. And this is your chance mm-hmm. to go and shine. So I'm going to end the podcast here. Rachel, go off. Go and get that job in the Barbie <laughs> movie. And next year, come back to Secure the Insecure and tell me what it was like to work with the real Barbie. Yes, Johnny, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. that was rachel evans you've been listening to secure the insecure of me johnny c if you like what you've heard please do like the podcast rate the podcast and subscribe to the podcast and tell one friend tell one friend to listen to it and get them to spread the word as well because i can't make this podcast successful without your help what an amazing guest that rachel was honest from the heart says it how it is but again doesn't appreciate how amazing she is and i'd love her to listen back to this and go do you know what i've come so far and look how good i am Anyway, I'm Johnny Seifert. Thank you for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.